0: Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Micro-Famous, and if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Micro Famous. I'm super excited for this conversation. We have Neil Sperling as the guest today. And Neil is an incredible guy. Uh, he's an introduction from a podcast uh, that I was featured on. Uh, they made the connection behind the scenes. And uh, Neil is a fellow San Diego resident. He's the founder and CEO of a global strategic advisory service. He's known as a world-class connector and a world-class Problem solver. Uh, you may have seen his TED talk. Um, he's also done some incredible speaking engagements on the topics of super connectivity and super creativity. He's studied and broken down how some of the world's most like smartest people, the genius level people that we look up to, and really broken down their thinking process. And I love the way that his brain works. I love the way that that the creative type of, of solutions and, and creative breakthroughs that he arrives at, and the fact that he's actually broken that thinking process down into steps that we can all learn from. So what I wanted to focus on with Neil today is jumping out of your niche and reverse engineering accelerating accelerated results. And the reason I wanted to talk about jumping out of your niche is because there's so many folks uh, in the listening audience that are in a niche and they're not sure if they're in the right one or they know that they've been in the right one, but now they need to break into something bigger. And that is, uh, that is where it really helps to have the, the analysis and the perspective of someone like Neil whose brain works a little bit differently and has the ability to not only see where you're at and see where you want to go, but also see what he would call the sequence to get there and even the storytelling staircase of how do you get your message into the world in such a way that leverages all these different steps along the way to get you a bigger audience, a bigger niche, right? So we went into a bunch of stuff, the power of an anchor story, how to identify your next niche to expand your results, a five-step process to gain clarity, and why we should spend, as Neil would call it, 55 minutes on the problem, five minutes on the solution. That's at the very end of the episode. So make sure to stick around for that. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, Let's, uh, without further ado, let's welcome in Neil Sperling. Neil, officially welcome to Microfamous. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing awesome. We've had an amazing conversation behind the scenes and we're going to bring some of those things onto the recording with us because we're talking about how to jump out of your existing niche, you know, how to make those decisions on where to go next, and how to reverse engineer accelerated results. And I mentioned in the intro that you and I both are, both are big fans of Jay Abraham, and that's probably the best way to explain to anyone who knows Jay Abraham is that's probably the best way to explain your skill set. But let's say you're talking to somebody who doesn't know and doesn't have that frame of reference. How do you describe to people what you do?
1: First off, Matt, thank you for having me on. I uh, really enjoyed our pre-discussion. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, Jay Abraham is a big inspiration to me. I followed him a long time and he's an outside the box thinker. And it was always fascinating to me to understand like, how do people do this and how can you replicate it? And is it even Mm reteachable? So uh, in the short form, one of my great inspirations uh, earlier in my career was to study creative genius, not academic genius, but creative genius, how people learn to think outside the box. And I've spent 20 years, looking at people like Einstein, Edison, Steve Jobs, Tesla, Elon Musk, and to figure out like, you know, is this something that comes they come equipped with with their DNA? Or is it something that they're doing that you can learn? And so I guess the great segue here for me is I found out to my surprise and delight that it is learnable and reteachable. And it's at a very exciting uh, phase of my career that I'm in right now because I want to help people get outside the box, outside their comfort level, and and get to this level. And and really, it's all about systems. They were all great systems thinkers. And there's a really, to understand the system, I gave a speech up in Vancouver. I was surprised. I didn't know what to expect. It was my debut speech a few years ago, and I got two standing ovations. But it was really about providing clarity. Clarity is power, as Buckminster Fuller said, who's another great genius I, I studied. And, and the reality is that systems are comprised of processes mm-hmm. beneath them. And underneath those processes are elements. And if you get into this modality of thinking, you can start unpacking and repacking any problem or any puzzle, literally, in this approach, and really understand it with increased clarity. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, if you understand that all, what all the elements are inside of your problem, And I do mean all of them and then uh, pack them back into the processes that then formulate the system. You can increase your clarity. And I've done it many times for clients. uh, And and quite interestingly, I mean, really outside the box ways to look at all of the puzzle pieces. When I was 15, I, I was tested in school, as I shared with you. And I didn't I was kind of a misfit. I didn't know, like, really. What I'm going to do with myself in the future, but the one area I went off the charts was abstract reasoning and predictive modeling. Being able to see things and puzzle pieces where they fit together in their most optimal sense that could produce the greatest yield in the quickest time frame for the least cost and the least amount of labor. Those four elements mm-hmm. basically are the Rubik's cube. So I follow Jay particularly uh, inspirationally because I identify with him and how he can look at things, but has this process that just, it's really nice. it's a system composed of processes and elements. And I imagine if he and I, I had a chance to speak with him one time uh, through a, a, a bridge conference, uh, telebridge, but if I imagine if I had a chance to sit down with him and talk with him in depth, we could compare notes. He probably tested very high in the same kind of tests that I took. So I th- hopefully that provides some clarity to your audience,
0: yeah, I, I think it's important to kind of under to establish that context because um, for anyone that has that skill set, and then you have the other the other piece of that skill set, which we haven't talked about yet, is when you when you see the different elements of the puzzle, you also see them in terms of relationships, and you see how Correct. to accelerate somebody's results by connecting them to the right person a lot of that is like strength and weakness analysis market analysis like it's all it's all the same skill set but it is it it can be a difficult one to
1: describe to somebody and to explain why there's value to it right so a lot of people have initially seen the second side to me first which is the the manifestation which is being able to have this gift to connect people with influencers and the right people and frankly, its ability, I think, to see the relationships in the puzzle pieces and then apply that to human relationships. And specifically, and sometimes intuitively understanding who the perfect people are and their alignments that can help accelerate, particularly coaches, authors, uh, even manufacturers of specialty products. Uh, accelerate that timeline. So by doing that, it saves people a lot of money and amplifies their ability to get into much wider sales channels. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I want to talk a little bit about that because for example, widening the sales channels or, or going into additional channels or deciding what other niches to go into, I think is a problem that you would and have in the past really thrived on like you enjoy those conversations and you're really good at them yeah um so when you when if somebody comes to you and said look the niche that i'm in i i already dominate or i'm pretty close to dominating and now i feel like it's time to get out or, or jump up to a bigger larger niche and most of my my audience is kind of they're in some form of thought leadership so they're coaching they're consulting like you are they're training they're speaking they're writing books and so forth right and so one of the biggest fears of all of the all of this kind of person because we have such wide ranging intellectual pursuits is we fear getting stuck in one niche right so we're always thinking about what's next so if you were to sit down what what is your Can you like lay out a little bit of your systems thinking and some of the things that you would think about or some of the questions that you would ask that might help somebody identify what is that next niche that they
1: should go into? Clarity is power. I have a five-step process and I normally start, the first question is not from the beginning point, but the end point and reverse engineering from the goal that they want to achieve and where on the timeline. And I ask them to get very clear in their mind how that looks and seeing themselves in that. And then consequently taking them back in step two to the starting point and understanding what the resources are they currently have, whether it's their talents, their money, their relationship capital, uh, to understand realistically how to build a program that will then take them back out to their goal. Step three is to examine all the different vehicles, including some they frequently haven't considered that I am fortunate because I'm creative and have had this grounding can look at to provide some outside-the-box perspective that could be very invaluable. And, you know, a lot of this process I would compare with Edison, who I spent a lot of time studying, which is like when he worked with the radio, he'd unpack it to really understand the elements and the system, the processes in that system of creating a radio that's functional and then how to tinker and improve it. That was his approach, and I do a lot of that. So it's, I do it with business models and marketing models and people's personal and professional goals. And, and so then we, by process of elimination and step four, start figuring, figuring out the lowest hanging fruit elements mm-hmm. that can fit in to what they are working with in terms of their resources to create the strategy. And then I have an approach. I actually help walk them up the staircase in terms of getting visibility, branding, brand recognition. But I've also taught people or shared with them because I don't pretend to know everything, but I know that's worked for me and my clients, that for every system that you have, you have to have a sequence and you can't have a perfect sequence without having a more perfect system. So they interoperate, they feed into each other. So once we've designed the system that will work for them, I then work with them to sequence it like a staircase to walk up to their goal. And it provides a lot of clarity, a lot of power. And as a result, I've had a lot of success cases. Hmm.
0: Love it. And I want to zero in a little bit because that we we just about glossed it over, which is the the anchor story, right? You mentioned kind of that step five of branding. And I think that's one of the most important parts of jumping into a new niche is that concept of the anchor story. And that's something that you help a lot of your clients with. And that even translates down into something very, very practical and deliverable, which in your case is SEO optimized press releases. But I wanna I want to step back to the bigger picture and, and talk a little bit about how do you look at an anchor story? What What is that and how do you find it?
1: Well, first thing to uh, provide step one, because I'm very sequenced in how I look at everything. I've trained my mind to do that. It's really important for people to know that they may have had not uh, a lot of successful press releases in the past because they're expecting sales. Well, press releases, in my opinion, aren't about sales as much as branding and establishing your story value and how your unique selling proposition can stand apart in the marketplace. So the first thing I encourage people to do about branding is to understand like what is the center point that you want to communicate about yourself and whether it's your current niche or how you want to step into a lateral or adjacent niche to expand your reach and results. And so getting really clear about your personal brand as it folds into your business It's a lot more, uh, to me, something that you really want to spend a little time with because I find a lot of people create a company and then they try to figure out the branding. You know, they try to figure out the graphic design, all that. And they've got the sequence wrong. You know, whatever you're doing in life, we only have a limited amount of time. Whatever business, if you're going to have fulfillment, it should be aligned with your personal goals. Mm -hmm. And the business should be an extension of that for you to be happy every day, otherwise yeah. it's transactional and it's just work and it's a grind. Yeah. So the first thing is to figure out like, you let know, what's get you out of bed in the morning and in that branding idea and that center point, then define yourself within the context of your business and when you're aligned, you have so much more fluidity and ability to accelerate and be happy with what you're doing. As an example, which we didn't talk about in the pre-call, I had a publicist who came to me with a challenge and the client was somebody who was in a wheelchair and uh, was doing uh, extreme sports in the sense that uh, she had climbed one of the tallest mountains in the world and was able to do that in a wheelchair, which is incredibly impressive, but was not the the most uh, publicized story. Mm -hmm. So I looked into the soul of that situation and went to the bullseye. And what I realized is that there's two words that could describe this person that could be turned into a $100 million cottage industry and not just talking about it in a very general sense, but a very specific, you could break it down and reverse engineer it sense. And the two words I came up with were something in terms of branding that was already relatable to people. These were the elements of the process of the system of creating the, the most distilled down quintessential brand for this person. And the elements of her achievement and what she did to be an inspiration, weaving it into something already familiar but tweaking it. And what I came up with is got abilities question mark. Hmm. Okay. Because instead of focusing on the disability, we all have abilities. Here's someone with a disability who's in a wheelchair who accomplished amazing things that most people with abilities couldn't do. And then that begs the question into the hundred million dollar branding opportunity. What else could you do? Hmm. So one of the thoughts I had was creating an adventure travel company for people for disabilities, but obviously encouraging people with abilities to come along and get to know each other. The second thing is being the poster child for that movement. Mm-hmm. And the third thing was essentially looking at all the other inspirational speaking engagements and books she could write and all the ways that people who have abilities from her perspective aren't utilizing them to 100% right. of what they could be. So there are multiple business models right inside those two works that I right. saw. And that's what I do with everybody when I look at their particular challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting because it, it's, I think that's one of the things that people struggle with the most. And certainly folks in my, in my world, in the thought leadership world struggle with because the, the fact that. So many of them are good at, at different things. It could be three different things. It could be 10 different things. I mean, we're talking about really, really smart, ultra successful people. And the unfortunate thing about that is sometimes it leads you away from an anchor story. And I think one of the hardest parts is you feel like you, you may find something or, uh, or you're having trouble finding it because everything that you find that's an anchor story doesn't allow you to express every facet of who you are.
1: And that's a well, hard and skill right, to and so just to go back to my own approach, which mm-hmm. I has worked for me and my clients in terms of the systems thinking, it really gets back to reverse engineering to all the elements and which of those could be uh, the most powerful elements to repackage into mm-hmm. these the processes that can create a new or tangential system. So I can give you a specific example if you wish, but yeah. I told you before the call about this uh, example I had with. Uh, the woman who was the new york times best selling author who wanted to climb the charts from number 10 to number 1 and in the science category that's a pretty specialized challenge but a lot of people could probably relate in their own way if you're interested i can share that i would love for you to share that yeah okay well only because you did say a lot of uh, your uh, particular uh, listeners are involved with you know writing and authoring and and thought leadership i've helped people in manufacturing and other other types of categories, but in this particular case, um, Peter Diamandis, who uh, was responsible for the first uh, x prize that uh, was around the early 2000s for uh, uh, spaceship one uh, they gave away ten million dollars and that that spaceship went on to be put in the uh, Smithsonian and uh, is now created a billion dollar space private space enterprise industry and Richard Branson bought the rights and has now turn that into Virgin Galactic, which mm-hmm. has been in the news, so it's timely. Um, anyway, they were all uh, the author Peter had flown in from maybe it was San Francisco, but uh, I know the author lived up there. And anyway, they they were at a uh, University of California, San Diego event where they wanted to promote selling their book in the traditional sense, mm-hmm. where they had maybe a couple hundred people showed up and. You know, I, I know Peter gets a huge amount of money for an hour of his time. Mm-hmm. I won't say what it is, but it, it's what most people earn in a year he gets in an hour. Right. Um, and I'm talking, wow, this is amazing. And they had, I think, one of the pilots from Spaceship One. It was a real event, but it was only in front of 200 people. And it yes. bothered me because I'm the guy who always likes puzzles and likes to optimize. I thought, this is inefficient. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I went up and I had the honor of saying hello to him. A friend of mine knows him and we exchanged some pleasantries and I spoke with the author and I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. So she was kind enough to take the chance on me. And one of the things that we came up with where I came up with was essentially how do I expand the audience, stay on point, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, sell more books, but and elevate the story value and the newsworthiness. So, what we did, uh, a colleague of mine I brought in, um, we created a podcast, but it wasn't just a podcast about the book. It's really the underlying elements, the story. And and so, you know, it happened to be two years ago that the Google Lunar X Prize was in the news. And that's where uh, countries were competing for, I believe it was a $10 million prize, to land the first robotic lander on the moon and accelerate private space enterprise through through corporations as opposed to governments. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's it. There's competition, it's like the Olympics, this is a big story, maybe we can weave this back into the book itself. And and so basically, with her help, we got Peter on the broadcast. I have a friend of mine who just happened to be head of the International Space Tourism Society. Um, Burt Rattan, who is the inventor of this amazing breakthrough, Mm -hmm. agreed to be on the broadcast so now it it got uh pretty interesting yeah here's the point their systems and their sequencing as i've said Mm -hmm. so to sequence this and walk up the staircase to create the bigger opportunity i realized now that i had to draw in some of the countries that were involved with this and i just happened to connect with uh, the head of space israel And uh, he was speaking, and I said, Look, you know, I'd like to have you on this broadcast, and there's no downside to you. And Mm -hmm. so he said, Well, that sounds great. I said, But there is a catch. He (laughs) said, What's that? I said, I'm going to need your help to help you. He said, What? I said, I need you to go to all the media in Israel, social media, um, television, print, um, radio, and let them know you're going to be on this and have your team publicize and promote it through that. So we have the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So he agreed. Okay. Then I thought, okay, what are the largest countries in the world competing for this? And India instantly popped into mind. So I, on a, not a cold call, but just a cold email, I, I reached out to them. And I said, look, um, we'd love to have you on this broadcast to give your perspective of what it means. And again, for rooting interest purposes, reach out to all the press in India. I mean, there's a billion people in India, Right. <laughs> And I said, we'd like them to know your story in the larger context of this great adventure. And they agreed. Okay. And so now I had all that. So the next step up the staircase was to actually go out to people, space.com, sky and telescope, right? Okay. Uh, aeronautical publications. And okay. let them know that there's going to be this podcast and like to invite them to be on it so they can reinform their listeners and so there's that additional segment of the audience. So by the time we got done, we had a huge draw for what could have been a traditional another book signing at a Barnes & Noble. But instead, it's a global event and had a lot of people talking about this. We even had space pennies that had been flown on the first uh, space uh, uh, journey that were giveaways. And of course, the book was always we go back to the book, you know, promoting and publicizing that. So. Mm-hmm. that's the kind of leveraged opportunity that I typically see in creating more value for people. It doesn't always work out or it doesn't always work out hundred mm-hmm. percent, but generally speaking, I've had excellent results as I've shared some of the others with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I love that story. There's, there's a lot of elements going in there. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, that first domino with Peter Diamandis falling, you know, just the coming, coming about through personal networking. Then you've got the fact that you leverage that relationship and the fact that he was going to be on it into, into basically using that credibility to get other key players on. Then you have four or five key players on, then you can go back to media outlets here in the States. And now it's become an event. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, um, that the, the book play bigger where he talks about lightning strikes. To me, that's a perfect example of a virtual lightning strike. So as opposed well, to but trying to- you too- can
1: control the lightning if you yeah, control exactly. the weather.
0: <laughs> yes, you control and, and, the weather. You
1: know, right? And and there's ways to do that. So I've yep. learned, you know, it's like I don't leave things to fate. I, I really looked at, you know, what are the promotable elements in every situation and how can they best combine in the most promotable sequence to create the most promotable leverage? Yeah, another Rubik's Cube that mm-hmm. I enjoy. Um, and I think I told you about the other, the medical device with the uh, gentleman who's, in, in a whole different area of manufacturing and how that works. I don't know if you'd like me to share that story, but I'm happy to follow your lead and whatever you think your audience would be interested in.
0: Yeah, because because I want to get at a little bit just on the on the systems thinking part of it and, and pull apart sure. that a little bit. So yeah, let's let's talk about the story of of where he was at and where he came into your life. And what was the result of the conversation? Then I want to break down your thinking process a little bit. And, and who are you referring to? Uh, the gentleman with the medical device, the, the stairs. The, oh, right. The
1: yeah, no, I just happened to, again, this was by happenstance. And uh, he has a, a, a device that can help people, elderly people get in and out of bed. And I thought, you know, I, I like to help people. I like uh, products and services that really are benefiting and social impact as much as just making a dollar. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, we talked about it and I saw uh, right away a much bigger opportunity for him to step up beyond what he may have been initially envisioning. So the device, uh, basically helped elderly people, uh, you know, with, were prone to falls. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought about that. And the first thing I went to is like, well, what else do falls happen? It's not just with beds and getting in and out of bed. I thought my my mother, who had suffered from cancer and was shrunk to a very frail uh, condition, was really having challenges getting it out of the tub and through the shower. I thought, well, there's another hybrid pr- uh, product that could be created, mm-hmm. and we started looking at all the different rooms where mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking that people could fall, and you know, there's probably seven different rooms with seven different products, and then from there, as we got further into it, I realized that you know he was an authority in a field helping a very targeted market. And so if he got more into blogging and talking about other collateral aspects that he could expand his personal brand. Mm -hmm. And it's really when people deal with things, they think it's about their products. It's not. It's, you know, products come from people. People don't come from products. And so sequencing that, I realized he had to focus more on that aspect. And, you know, he was originally looking to hopefully make crack a million dollars in sales. And I thought, you know, there's a hundred million dollar opportunity here, mm-hmm. um, when you get done with it all. So, um, that, that kind of shifted the thinking and in stepping into a larger opportunity. And as a result, the vehicle specifically that I strategically recommended was that to start off with a press release, like we've just talked about, and I could do them by the way, very low cost, working with people's budgets. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started as a writer. I can, these things fly off my fingertips. I Mm -hmm. I just know how to tell the story, but I can pull it out of the people and help them in coaching and working with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, the story was basically introducing the product. That was the first one, a B2C press release. Then i thought there's a sequence to this. The second one has to be B2B. Now that we've got the story out there, we've got some credibility. I guarantee getting them on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox news. I work with a service that can do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't get the most traffic. They don't get the most sales, but they get branding as seen in, as cited in. So now you have that branding first step credibility factor, which is really what it's about, credibility, mm-hmm. newsworthiness, um, to tell another story to on a B2B level of the sales that have been generated as a result through that newsworthiness. Right. And when I did that, it was designed to get him into smaller boutique retail outlets because his dream was to get into Walmart. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he was so,
0: in, in business for six months at this point. He'd been you, in business, I think something yeah. like six or yeah. maybe so eight definitely, or nine no, months at most. Nowhere but, near in position where Walmart should be, where he should be approaching Walmart right? quite Because yes, they right.
1: want, the big boys like to be in business with the big boys. They yeah, want exactly. credibility. You can, you know, basically know that you're a reliable supplier, that you have capacity mm-hmm. and, and fulfillment and all those issues. I've dealt with different clients in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So um, he got more uh, sales, and I started helping him get into smaller, lower-level boutiques as part of the staircase. Mm-hmm. And, and that was then a story in itself to add to the next story. So pretty soon, walking up the storytelling staircase of credibility, Walmart knocked on his door. And, and I, I won't take full or I'm not sure what percentage credit for it, but they found him online online because it increased, I think, the newsworthiness and the credibility if they went back to check in their team, you know, other qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it helped a great deal accelerate his goal. Mm-hmm. And and so they gave him an order and they agreed to take him in on their online division. Yeah, and, and you know, it's expensive on the offline division because you have to ship and maybe have returns, but mm-hmm. it's a big leap. And then I was able to use that To go to that third-level tier, higher-level tier, to also open up doors at some of the largest medical suppliers in the world didn't take a long time. I -hmm. think this is over a course of a six- to nine-month period. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, look, they say starting from scratch, you know, you can just even break even in 18 months. You know, you're doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, well, especially when you're talking about manufacturing and in a specialized industry and dealing with big boys like Walmart, yeah, 18 months is a very short time frame for, for anything good to happen um, in, in, that, in that space, which is incredible. I
1: also have other people in my network from all facets, uh, all vertical markets who tend to be influencers or thought leaders. We just, like you and I, you know, we're introduced, we connect. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I get to know and trust uh, the, the client, I can open doors at the highest levels. I mean, I'm not a billionaire, but I have friends who are billionaires. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we enjoy each other, uh, just how we look at different things. So Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, I believe, leverage value in terms of the imagination component, as well as the practical component, accelerating sales for different clients that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. All right. So I want to take one step back and then we'll finish up
0: with a, with a couple uh, last questions. But how do people reach out? How do they get in touch? And how do they have kind of, um, I guess, an intro conversation with you?
1: Well, thank you. That's very kind. And, you know, I really enjoy A lot of people tend to think maybe that at the level that I've been fortunate to play at, uh, it's difficult to get a hold of me. I don't like to make uh, a lot of put a lot of barriers in front of people because I'm I'm generally feel like I'm blessed with the gift that I have and I like to work with them uh, so they can generally reach me by just first going to my website you can learn more about me authenticate me and see the testimonials I've been very very flattered and privileged to receive at worldclassconnections.com mm-hmm. um, that is my site worldclassconnections.com and uh, there is a con Excuse me there's a contact page on there where they can get a hold of me and I usually can respond within 72 hours if I'm not uh you know distracted with other client deliverables <laughs>
0: I like the way that's put. All right, so worldclassconnections.com so people should check that out and there's also links in there uh, on one of the auxiliary pages to your the masterminds for super creativity and super connectivity and your TED talk and all that fun stuff is there to kind of it delve is. into your brain and get to know you and see if, if they if they really want to connect and uh, and dig into something with you. So there was a couple of things that you mentioned that I wanted to pull out of of that example. So this the, going back to the systems thinking that to me that's really fascinating. So when you when you evaluate somebody's story like that, I, you're, you're exactly right that people get things out of sequence. Like they kind of have a vague idea of maybe what where they want to where they're going and maybe a vague idea of where they want to get to, but most people don't have the clarity to get those two points clearly identified, and they and they definitely don't have the clarity to see the sequential steps in between. And it's not easy. Um, but that, but that's how your brain works. I think one of the things that's important, um, to, to help our brains develop more is to build more space into our calendar. So I'm curious what, what you think about that. And if, if business owners, do you find that most of the people that you deal with are so busy, so, so in action tactical mode that they have trouble taking a breath and and getting their brain?
1: Absolutely. So one of the, the, I gave in my talk up in Vancouver, people are on YouTube and they want to just Google my name, correctly spelled um, <laughs> N-E-A-L, Sperling, uh, they, they will find that I gave this uh, 90-minute talk. And I, I didn't hold a lot back because, you know, there's a lot of basic clarifying points in there. And one of them is one of the uh, geniuses I've studied, Einstein, I actually encourage people to say, you know, you can think like Einstein, Cap. This is a teachable component. So Einstein was known for spending 55 minutes on the problem and five minutes on the solution. Most people do it reversed. They spend five minutes on the problem and 55 minutes to a lifetime trying to find a solution to their challenges. Okay. And it's a really important point because, you know, the problem is the foundation. And so if you spend a lot of time thinking about that and thinking it through, it's like people I knew who were in Hollywood who were very successful screenwriters and producers. All the challenges they wanted to solve in pre-production, so they didn't come back to bite them with all of a sudden cost overruns and things they didn't think about or consider or contingencies. And then there's multi millions of dollars being spent. Yeah. At all these studios, some of them, you know, you've seen the the horror stories where they go over you by a hundred million dollars. <laughs> well, sure, there's going to be uncontrollables, but if you spend a lot of time, like with, for example, Alfred Hitchcock was known mm-hmm. to spend a tremendous amount of time storyboarding each shot. And by time he got to actually shooting the picture, he was bored out of his mind because he knew it all in his head. and It's he just going through the motions so he can think about his next movie. But that attention to detail led him in his genius to create some of these masterpieces and usually keep them under budget. Mm-hmm. So it's the same situation with any challenge in your business. You know, if you really spend a lot of time examining all these facets like Edison did and unpacking and repacking the radio and then doing the work in execution. I also gave the example of uh, of breaking the four-minute mile uh, when that occurred. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Roger Bannister, as I call, uh, called everyone's attention, spent eight years studying everyone else and the little things that they did to aggregate and combine what they were getting a little performance extra boost from in a half a second or a second here or a quarter second there and studying them. When he combined all of this in his mind, everyone gave him credit for the execution phase. But the reality is he spent eight years practicing and practicing to execute a job in four minutes. Think about that. He spent eight years to get a four-minute output but that was basically something that broke all barriers and achieved the greatest results in the world because he spent all his time on the front side of the problem rather than the execution and floundering around. That's what I do. I help people find those elements to provide the clarity to save them from spending additional time to execute the job, hopefully, at its most optimal that they can hope to achieve. Oh, that's crazy.
0: I've, I, I've heard a lot of references and stories about the four minute mile barrier. I've never heard that one, That's uh, <laughs> which makes sense because that's probably not the most popular story. It's, it's more people
1: use it as motivation. They don't talk about the preparation. Well, it's exactly it. And the preparation is really in the foundation. You can't put up the roof of the house before you've laid the foundation and make sure that it's solid without any cracks, because yeah. everything else is going to fall apart. So it's a recurring theme in multiple vertical markets and multiple examples of what we all do in life.
0: Love it. All right. So one last selfish question, and then I want to be honorable of your time. So we'll, we'll shut this particular one down and maybe we'll have you back for a follow-up or something because this has been super fun. I'd be delighted. Um, so in all of your studying of the great creative geniuses and breaking down the process of blending that creativity and systems thinking that, that generates these incredible strategic breakthroughs, um, what, what do you think? like what, what are the, let's say, the top couple of books that you've read that gave you those strategic insights would you recommend to somebody who wants to delve into learning how to think
1: that way? Well, I know we live in an age and that's kind of Nescafe to accelerate uh, condensation and getting the, the points, but you know, there's also nuance. So I actually like reading biographies and you know, that gives you the, between the bricks, it gives you the more, right. you know, the, the things that fill in the cracks that create these connections in people's minds. And so I really enjoy reading biographies. I've read one about Tesla and I thought it was fascinating how, you know, you can suck electricity out of the universe, but he actually provided a lot of systems thinking approaches. He had his differences with Edison for sure, and he was not seen as exactly the most pragmatic thinker. And then they had debates about AC versus DC, but to understand with contextual clarity you know, the differences there gives you and empowers your ability to think. So I read a biography about uh, Tesla that I thought was fascinating. Uh, and, and also, of course, Edison, and and many of these uh, people that I've studied. Hmm. So I don't know that I would give any specific ones uh, that I can think of at the moment. I know Tim Ferris has some, some great condensations and snippets in, in books that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, really, you know, a lot of it is just I, I try to spend more time now uh, in the solution mode. And, and I know a lot of people like particularly Bill Gates, you know, they're reading a lot of books currently. But for me, I've just been busy enough that uh, life's been kind of good and I'm in the in the zone just looking uh, to help others.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I haven't, I used to read more biographies than I do now, and it's it's the condensation part. It's it's the quest to just cramp, like, get the information in, but you're right, you do lose some of the context, you lose some of the mortar of the bricks. Um, I can certainly encourage
1: people if they'd like. I have done a distillation of a lot of what I've read in that 90-minute speech, and I think 90 minutes is a lot to ask of people today, yeah. but uh, they'll get a real sense of me in the speech I gave and how to think like a creative genius. Uh, not my title, Smack the Hubris, but... I was uh, asked by somebody to speak on this topic. Uh, as I said, up in uh, Vancouver, he's a fine gentleman, um, and and has a very large, uh, you know, event uh, company for for business acceleration, um, and and so that's make your mark success. And he invited me up there. But uh, again, I'm I'm always happy to speak with people. And so look, I I'm happy to present a, a special offer if you feel that your audience uh, would like to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Worldclassconnections.com. Encourage everybody to reach out, connect, learn more, grab the tag Talk on YouTube and all that fun stuff. Neil, this has been a pleasure. Super, super fun, enjoyable, in-depth conversation.
1: Well, thank you very much. So uh, I hope people will feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to give them an initial consultation. I'm happy to work with their budgets. I'm also happy to work on specific facets of their business with them. And uh, that's how I get my satisfaction today. And I hope I can be of further assistance to you because you've been absolutely terrific. And I appreciate you very, very much.
0: Oh, thanks, Neil. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.